Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podwave! It's finally back to its normal introduction. I'm so happy. Finally, because I get it was to only be... like that once. <laughs> Ooh, it feels like forever. And Ooh. I get to be the person who says the line that this is the podcast where we talk about things about musical. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. Ooh, okay. So Tick, Tick, Boom is an autobiographical musical about the life of Rent creator John Larson. And the musical explores John's work, love life, and friendship leading up to the, pre- to the presentation of his workshop, Superbia. So what is your experience like with Tick, Tick, Boom? Zero, because Zero. <laughs> I had no idea that this thing exists once again. I feel like I say that all the time because <laughs> you probably introduced me to, let's say, maybe 70% of the musicals that we covered. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, before you told me about it, I had no idea there's such a thing. But I am familiar with the cast, though. What was his name? Andrew? Andrew Garfield. Yes. I didn't know him from the Amazing Spider-Man, like I guess most people do, but I do remember him from the... Social Network. No, actually. Really? Yeah. Shocking. (laughs) Doctor Who? (laughs) No, the Hawk at the Hacksaw Ridge. I have never heard of that, okay. (laughs) Really? It's a a war movie from 2016, and it was was talking about a person who didn't want to kill... Well, like, he didn't want to be like a fighting soldier like he wants to be a medic in the army and is talking about his life and how he saved like thousands well no maybe not thousands sorry like dozens of people um, Mm -hmm. on a battlefield and it was actually a pretty good movie I saw in the theater and I had a very strong impression of him so I'll say it was a delight surprise to discover that he was also in this movie I'm surprised that you don't remember him from the other Roland girl because I think when we talked about sex, you said that you watched that one. There were so many people in that movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't really remember him. Oh. Who was him? Um, I have no recollection. Okay. Because I didn't watch that movie. But oh, when I was looking at the stuff right. here then. I honestly cannot remember where he showed up I am pretty sure he this is a pretty minor cast though a minor role in a movie so maybe oh, yeah, that's I'd why. assume so I'd assume so yeah and you know how people look very different when they're in uh what do you call it like the period makeup or period yes. costuming yes yeah. so um yeah I would justify myself for not recognizing him did you watch the amazing spider-man or no I did not did okay. you uh, I have watched the first one and not the okay. second one. How did you like it? I didn't enjoy it as much as the Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man uh, movies, but I still think thought it was okay. I wouldn't go ahead and watch the second one. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I haven't, uh, <laughs> which is strange because I really enjoy Spider-Man as a superhero. Like I watched the cartoons and I obviously watched the movies, including obviously the most recent one. And the one coming up that we already discussed that we're both very <laughs> excited for. But I haven't had the chance to watch all of the amazing Spider-Man. We should do a movie marathon like that one time. Yeah, Maybe we when we cover the Spider-Man musical. <laughs> there is a Spider-Man musical? I, I know I have told you about it before. I know for a fact. I don't know why. It's just always a shock. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it feels like a mixing world of something like, for example, an anime musical. 
that was there are a fair few of them there is the death note which we're definitely death note, that's planning true. on cover covering there is the sailor moon musical there for example others. like imagine like i don't know an attack on Titan musical that would be uh, so hard to pull off actually not to think about it but if you can it will be very impressive it would <laughs> that's for sure did you recognize any of the other cast by the way that girl from high school musical vanessa okay. vanessa hudgens yes mm-hmm. and that's it okay interesting yeah how about you um i recognize a fair few people i also recognize a lot of the cameos they had um i obviously recognize andrew garfield right away i really like andrew garfield i think i was first introduced to him through uh doctor who and then the social network and then spider-man Mm-hmm. so I watched him in a fair few things and he's always excellent and I knew Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical and she was in another movie and I forgot what it was but I didn't watch her in The Princess Switch <laughs> which is the most recent thing she's at she's in um so yeah I'm not too sure I'll discuss it later about my liking of Vanessa Hudgens being there at all as a character and I recognize the actress who played Susan from I think she was an X-Men the most recent X-Men's I don't watch X-Men maybe that's oh why. um yeah she was and she was also in Love, Simon if you watch that I think you would actually like it because you tend to like um these kind of movies so yeah she was I think in both of them oh she was in Deadpool too which I watched, but I did not remember. I did not all. watch Deadpool, Deadpool 2, so I only watched the yeah. first one. And I was like, oh, this is a little bit uh, graphic for me. Honestly, I can't remember what happened Deadpool 2, and that probably <laughs> tells you a lot about probably. how I liked it. Yeah, probably. And I feel like a lot of these films, if they're not well done, they kind of merge together. That's true. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Okay, so I guess that's our familiarity with the cast. Did you notice any of the cameos they had? Sure. Did you recognize any of the cameos? So in a specific scene, though they had a few later, they had a lot of cameos of notable people in musical theater and musicals. I know that there were um, the original Rent cast members in one of the songs, I think it was Sunday. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I read online saying that there were more, but I don't think I paid too much attention to them. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but how about you? Oh, I definitely recognize them. I was kind of squealing. <laughs> um, I could recognize some of them from the cast recording when I listened to it before I even watched a musical. Oh, look at you. So, uh, yeah, thank you. I could recognize Philippa Sue's voice immediately mm-hmm. and I could also recognize Vanessa Hudgens voice who is not a cameo she is one of the cast members but she has very distinct voice so despite not knowing that she is there because I didn't watch it I definitely knew that she's going to be there and I recognized obviously the rent cast members that we've seen which was very exciting and some of the rent cast members were also in Hamilton so you got to see both of them I recognize some of the people who were there from um, Into the Woods and from uh, Hades Town, also the Spider-Man <laughs> movie, uh, movie musical, by the way. So, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, I recognize. I recognize the cabaret cameo. I didn't write it down, but I recognize a fair few. <laughs> I can tell. Like, you recognize a lot of people. 
Yeah, but I think they had like over 30 cameos, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure that I missed probably twice the amount that I actually noticed. So yeah, that's really exciting. So should we dive right into the in-depth summary for this? Yes, please. All right. So we open with John introducing himself on a stage as a musical theater composer. He's concerned about not accomplishing anything despite being 30 in a few days. And while waiting for his big break, he works as a waiter, but quits his job in hopes that a producer will see his new workshop for Superbia and pick it up. He introduces us to the people on in his life one by one, starting with his roommate and best friend Michael, who is moving out. Michael used to be a talented actor when growing up, and he moved into the big city, New York, in hopes of making it big, and he never did. And instead, he got a job at an advertising agency out of necessity. After we cover Michael, we have Susan, who is John's girlfriend. Um, So Susan went to university to study biology originally and to become a doctor, but she fell in love with modern dance in college which caused her to move to New York and pursue that passion. And she's actually quite successful. She danced for pretty much every major production. And she was really hoping to find a permanent company to stay with. But then she fractured her ankle and she had to do six months of physical rehab to be able to dance again. So after we're introduced to these characters at a party, John throws after Susan's latest performance. Um, Susan says she's considering taking a job as a dance teacher out of the city and she wants John to come with her and John says he'll think it over. The next day as they drive to see Michael's new apartment, John discusses his dilemma with him and Michael wants to hook him up with a job as a jingle writer for his company, but John is resistant. They arrive to Michael's new apartment building and it's super posh and Michael (laughs) is really overjoyed that he doesn't have to put up with subpar living conditions anymore. Relatable, Michael, relatable. After helping Michael with the apartment, though, John discusses his upcoming workshop for Superbia with Ian Weitzman, who is the only person involved in the musical business that's actually invested in Superbia as a project. He advises John that it's missing a song in the second act, and John reminisces about the time he showcases work before the greatest, may he rest in peace, Stephen Sondheim, Um, and Stephen Sondheim was in the room to listen to it. He actually gave John the exact same advice as Ian, so it kind of created that reminiscent period. John's agent has been ignoring him and not inviting people in the industry to see Superbia. So John kind of takes it upon himself to shoot his own shots and phones every single big name in the industry to personally invite them. Um, And I personally respect the hustle so much. I wouldn't know if I would have the courage to do that. I don't know about you, Claire, but like phones kind of scare me a little bit. Um, So yeah, big kudos to John. And after he does shoot his own shot, um, he finds out that one of his friends and co-worker, Freddie, has AIDS and his friend actually gets hospitalized. So John feels really overwhelmed between trying to make a decision about moving with Susan, writing a new song for Superbia, generating buzz so people will actually come to see Superbia, spending time with his his hospitalized friend, and also being a good friend to Michael while he's moving. Um, so when we have all this build up, the next section is all about where it goes to shit after the tension has built up to the brim. Susan and John get into a fight about the move and break up. 
John agrees to take Michael's job offer for a one-time gig where he knocks it out of the park until he makes a very inappropriate joke, which Michael is rightfully pissed about because he puts his neck on his line for John. And they have a big argument because John completely disrespected Michael's work and ignores the privileges that he has and Michael doesn't. Um, So when the poor boy finally, finally catches a break and Rosa calls him, back saying she got all the hottest producer in town coming to his workshop tomorrow everything just plops back down because his power is out since he hasn't paid the bills and he's broke so it's the day before the workshop and not only sorry it's the day of the workshop and not only is the room full of people but Sondheim personally showed up and John managed to successfully finish the song for the second act and it's a hit So the workshop is a huge success overall, but nobody sees potential in Superbia. Um, The only potential they see is in John as a musical composer. So Rosa advises him to work on the next one and to keep throwing shows at the wall, hoping one of them would stick. And then after he got that message from Rosa, Sondheim calls him personally to congratulate him on his workshop and offers to talk it over with him and give him advice. So John barges to Michael's office panicking about nobody wanting to pick up Superbia. And Michael finally confesses he's HIV positive. Susan shows up to John's workplace at the diner to get closure since she's taking the job and leaving New York. And we close with a narration about John's other projects, namely Tick, Tick, Boom and Rent. And finally, John died before Rent had its first public performance from an aneurysm at 35. So that is the summary for Tick, Tick, Boom. Any thoughts about the story overall, Claire? Honestly, it gives me a very huge uh, Mark vibe in a way. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. So I definitely see, I don't know if you noticed, but I definitely see a lot of like rent, shot, like the shadows of rent in this yeah. one. And you can see a lot of Easter eggs. I don't know if they're intentional, probably intentional that are being placed in this movie and Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of neat so I like that and I guess overall the story it just helped you to really understand his life and his struggle a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I told you this but I used to want to be a writer probably not a musical writer but like a novel writer before Mm -hmm. and (laughs) if I insisted I'm probably going to be just like him (laughs) like (laughs) struggling for life like wondering if there's an end to this and whether or not you're actually going to make it so I feel like for this generation when investing in a career like this becomes you don't have to invest everything every penny and everything to to make this career happen like you can probably work a part-time job like you can do an online whatever like when technology is so much more convenient you doesn't take that much sacrifice where it's not that risky to start a side job like this but you can still really see his struggle and I think I appreciate that because that's something that is becoming less and less in this generation but mm-hmm. what do you think yeah I agree um I was not an artistic person ever in my life (laughs) so I can't say I relate to it from an artistic perspective I'm not a writer definitely not a musical writer um, but I appreciate the hustle and I appreciate the artistic talent it takes to take a show off the ground and put that kind of dedication Um, so I can sympathize in that regard I really enjoyed a story myself Um, if I'm not mistaken this one came before Rent so 
the Easter eggs that have rent references, apart from the cameos from the rent cast, I think are just consistencies within the writer, which I really like. I think it's really nice to see something like that. You see what issues and what matters the writer actually cares about or the creator really cares about and the fact that it's consistent within show to show is really impressive to me and it makes me feel more connection to John as a person or who he was and I really like that Uh, I actually noted some of the rent references in a few of the music pieces so that would be really fun to discuss and -hmm. speaking of the musical pieces let's dive into it Um, we're starting with 3090 what do you think, Claire? I think it's a pretty relatable number <laughs> mm-hmm. because I know that people are saying that 30 is now the new 20s, but I guess in my culture style that people still expect you to be relatively stable at the age of 30. So 30 is still a pretty big thing and his anxiety about like turning 30 but still has nothing done like he's not financially stable at all and his career is not gonna go anywhere um I feel like that struggle and that anxiety and that depression almost like maybe not depression depression is probably the wrong word but I feel like that struggle is pretty relatable for me personally too so I can definitely see it and I also think it's a pretty good opening number too mm-hmm. because there is an event like the these couple days that the story is going to take place is about him turning 30 but also about his turning point in his career and I like how we're starting with his status quo about where he is right now where he's where he want to be and how anxious he is about not getting there yet Mm -hmm. so for opening number it does the job for me music wise it's not my favorite but I don't hate it either how about you I really enjoy it um I think the first third of the musical music wise is really strong Mm -hmm. and I really really enjoy the first third so I agree with you that it's a strong open air because it does lay out the foundation for everything that's about to happen. And this musical is a little bit unusual in this regard because they don't have a classic musical structure. It's a lot of it is kind of like stream of consciousness almost of just what happens to him. It's kind of like a diary and you have a reaction to every big or small event even that happens to him. So I do appreciate that we're starting with more of a traditional frame and then we're kind of deviating from the tradition because helping to anchor it I think for me it was really helpful because it could be a little bit confusing um when I was listening to the soundtrack so before I watched it the first thought that I had in my mind actually was how much like Rent it is Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize at the point at this point who this musical is about. I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I just heard that, oh, this this musical is really, really good. It's available on Netflix. So I was like, oh, okay, let's jump on the bandwagon and <laughs> cover it. Um, so the fact that it was managing to communicate the rent-like feel means that the voice of the creator, the voice of John's is so pronounced and so distinctive that it manages to carry through from musical to musical that he writes. Mm -hmm. And I like that a lot. We mentioned before the similarities to Rent and one of the cute little similarities I see is 
in La Vie Bohème, for example, they have several lines about um, the Wizard of Oz. And in here, they also have lines about fairy tales and Wizard of Oz specifically. So I'm guessing maybe it had a big impact on his childhood in a way. So it's kind of giving you things to latch on to to create a persona for him in your mind. And uh, some of the parts that I thought would be able to resonate with a lot of people is a part where he says you stop being a writer who is a waiter on the side and you start becoming a waiter with a hobby when you turn older and older. And I feel like people who have experienced a midlife crisis, a quarter life crisis, early life crisis, earlier than quarterly, I suppose, uh, they'd be able to relate to that a lot because the feeling of running out of time, especially for somebody like John, who has a lot of his friends who are dying, is relatable for sure. So mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed 3090 personally. Is that your favorite? No. Okay. Uh, but I still, I think I would listen to it outside of the musical. Like I would put it in the playlist for sure. Yeah. Okay. Next one is Boho Days. This one sounds just like Lovey Poem to me. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think the message is super similar. Maybe just how it sounds a little bit too. Yeah, especially the parts when he like start naming people mm-hmm. and he gives you like a very fast long list of names where like the people that he he hang out with and stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought that was it just gives me the the rent lovey boy and vibe when they're all partying together. Um, I don't know. Do you make that connection? Do does it remind you of that? I mean, obviously, this is a similar topic with mm-hmm. glorifying Bohemian lifestyle, but I think Boho Days and Lovey Boy have very different energies. I'd say closer to 3090 more than anything else, just because it has more of the chaotic. Oh, sorry. Closer to 3090 or closer to no more, just because they have more of the chaotic energy, they have more of the entitlement of not caring about anything. And Boho Days feels a lot more laid back of people who are just satisfied with what they have and are not necessarily very angry at what is happening to them, even if there is a lot of things to be angry about, like having a revolving doors over made 14 in four years. I think that's something that people would find frustrating, but he doesn't sound bothered at all. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, so does it mean that you like Boho Days? Did you like Love You Bohem? I don't remember even. It was an okay song for me, and this one is also just okay. Like, Hmm. I like the energy. I don't know if I like the music style all that much necessarily. Like, it's probably not the type of song that I'll add to my Spotify playlist. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think it the energy is something that I really appreciate. I see. Yeah. Personally, I'd say this is either my second favorite, very, very close to being my favorite. I really, really enjoyed the song. Um, not only because the energy is so relaxed and so cute, but also because the group that he's with everybody in that party even that one pompous guy who is like working in finances or whatever and he's like he wants to be at an artist party they all (laughs) seem so happy and so content with life despite whatever life is handling them not to mention that the song itself is so catchy like I think I heard it twice and after the second time hearing it I could recite the entire thing not Mm. words wise but melody wise so it's definitely something that you would remember and would stick in your mind 
So I love the catchiness of it. Of it. I love the easygoing atmosphere. I can see myself playing it at a party that is smaller, has few people, and you're very comfortable with each other. Uh, I think this would be a really good song for this kind of occasion. Yeah, so, so definitely sweet. I rate it quite highly. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about green dress? I don't, except for the fact that I think it feels like just like a Jason Dural song. Or something. Right? <laughs> right? It just gives me so much of an early 2000 love song vibe, if that makes sense. Oh my god, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> That's what I was referring to for ish though. Hip-hop-ish. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, it's an interesting thing to put there. I don't think this is like a new song or anything like that. It wasn't there originally. So it's interesting that it has this kind of vibe. I did not enjoy it. I'm grateful that it was as short as it is. Um, I don't think it had much of a reason to be there. I understand the dress was nice. I, I would give them that. But I don't think it merits an entire song. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a critique I have for a lot of the things here. A lot of the things or songs are relating to events that you see on screen and you hear via dialogue rather than music before the event actually takes place. Mm-hmm. So the song itself is not always necessary. You can even just play it as a background while they're saying their dialogue or you can just cut the dialogue and put the song instead so I would maybe reformulate that um so yeah the green green dress is a meh for me but in that scene there is an answering machine from Deborah that's about speakers for tonight's show or something and how she can't get the speakers to work and it's very rent um specifically towards the tango marine so I thought it was really nice you mean the speak part the speaker. So you remember how Mark oh, went to... Oh, right, yeah. right. Sorry, I was thinking about the other thing because you know how his answering machine says speak and that's the exact same one Mark and Roger has in mm-hmm. Rent? Yeah, I thought you were talking about that, but okay. okay. That's also that I did not remember. We, okay. we complete each other's remembrance to make <laughs> one Rent reference. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, no more. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel exactly like this when I moved to my current condo from my student apartment in Montreal. (laughs) So I can definitely share the enthusiasm and excitement that they have because it really, really makes a difference. And I guess you can probably relate to this experience because you used to live in a basement um, apartment too, right? Exactly. Um, And it's just makes all the differences in the world like you don't have to share the laundry like well I didn't have to go out of my building for laundry but still like you have to make the trip right downstairs and stuff you have to share the machine with somebody else and just everything else like the central heating and things like that it was just so much nicer so well the music itself is not something entirely to my liking because there is a majority of part of the song is not really being sung. It's more like reading the lyrics to me. Um, so musically, I didn't really like that sort of style. But then the message, the energy and the context of the song is very super relatable to me. Mm. Yeah. I was very, very excited on the day that I moved into my current place to find out that there is aircon. In this unit because back in 
<laughs> my very crappy student apartment in Montreal, it was not available. And you have to buy a separate fan or a separate air con. And even this heating itself, like the, the heater, it doesn't really work during winter. I remember one year it broke down and it took them ages to come to fix it. So I have to sleep in a cold. I have to sleep in my winter jacket because it was so freaking cold and it was freezing like negative 30 degrees outside oh my god so anyways all I'm trying to say is I know how it is when you move from a really crappy place to somewhere that is considerably nicer so <laughs> yes I can relate I can relate to moving from a crappy place to a nicer place not that the basement was that crappy just uh we were three people living together and I didn't have a door to my room. So that was a little bit crappy, but at least I didn't have to leave the apartment for um, the laundry, which I can't imagine just carrying all your stuff to a different yeah. place in a big sack or something like some kind of Santa Claus. I wouldn't like that. And especially I wouldn't like no control over aircon because mm-hmm. I would die. But everything else I can relate. I kind of like the song a lot because I think it's fun and you can see the bond between Michael and John which is really important because I think he has two maybe three major relationships so Michael and him Susan and him and I'd argue that his relationship with Stephen Sondheim is pretty big too so I think that it's really important that they put as much emphasis on it as they do. They even put more emphasis on it, I think, than his relationship with Susan in terms of songs. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think, well, I was personally more invested in their friendship over his relationship with Susan anyway. So I'm glad that they actually put a lot of emphasis on um, the connection and relationship. Exactly. Um, and in terms of how the song is by itself, I actually like that they have such a big difference between the grimy living situation they're at and where they're going to. And it reflects with how more rock and roll the no more part is. Mm-hmm. And then Hello 2 starts to be really posh and classical and musical and very refined. And just by hearing this, you can understand the context of where they are at and where they're going to. So I think it's very clever to do it through a song. Mm -hmm. Um, Johnny Can't Decide. We're flying by these. We are. We are. For change. Well, I actually like its music. I think it sounds pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere saying that they actually changed the lyrics on the very last line. So originally it just said Johnny must decide, but then they decided to keep it to Johnny can't decide, which I thought was interesting. I don't know why they made that change or what that symbolized, but um, I thought it was worth pointing out. And I was actually quite impressed by how well Andrew can sing, actually. I didn't know that he was by any chance, like, I don't know, a singer? Is he? I have no idea. He but it isn't, seems like he so... has a lot of stage uh, performances before. Yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, he actually didn't have a lot of singing experience before this. And hmm. he took the one year before this musical um, filming to really work on his voice. So if I'm not mistaken, most of his stage performances were for acting roles more exclusively, rather than 
musical roles and he did a fantastic job within a year he managed to do what he did I think he sounds better than me for sure and uh, most people that I know like who just don't sing professionally Mm -hmm. so he has a fantastic voice and I was really really happy to discover it because it's another thing to add to me liking him as an actor (laughs) and as a performer so yeah I was blown away did you know that he only took a year to like do everything I did not know that actually he sounded actually really nice to me so I wouldn't know yeah And also the acting, I feel like not only does he look so much like the character, like the character, like the person, like John Larson, if you saw pictures side by side, he managed to capture how he looks like, how uh, some of his mannerism I understand quite well. And he really gives a performance of a lifetime. Like I Mm -hmm. know that musicals are not that popular in terms of Oscar and prizes that um performers get but I think he really should get one for this because he does an amazing job capturing who John is I heard um well more like I read a lot of people saying similar things too so I think he is definitely recognized for his acting and singing this one for sure really Um, okay yeah I'm glad to hear yeah um well most of the reviews I read online are quite positive in terms of his performance here so Mm -hmm. I think he really really did a good job and I guess going back to the song, I also feel like the message is very relatable as well. I guess maybe it's because we're entering that adulthood phase and a lot of the struggle that he has, I feel like somewhat I can understand it, even though I'm in a very different position in life. And obviously I'm not a writer by any chance too. So like that sort of struggle, I wouldn't understand. But a lot of the things that he's saying, I think would be relatable to most people, like balancing your life priority. That is something that is hard for every single person. And I like, especially in the film, how it cut to Freddie being in the hospital in the next scene. So right after the song, we learned that his friends goes back to the hospital and his life could be in danger. Because that to me is like, telling you like boom even though you cannot decide what to prioritize what what to what to choose life will just sometimes force a decision on you and I thought that was very realistic too I don't know because it wasn't explore how much of a this moment of realization has an impact on John in terms of how he views life but then it definitely adds on to his like mental stress and the things that he had to consider and care about um, and eventually like he couldn't really balance all the stuff in his life and that's why some things started to fall apart but mm-hmm. I really feel like that scene and that connection between the song and the scene where you know some people's life can just be gone like that and sometimes you don't really have time or room for a decision to make so being able to actually make a decision is a luxury (laughs) and I think the film tells that message indirectly in a very beautiful way so I like that okay I agree definitely I thought John was incredibly relatable and that's also because I have a tendency to not decide and just push things until the very last moment there possibly could be pushed only to then make a decision, which is a horrible habit, would not recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like John acts this way too in a lot of ways, in a lot of situations, try to stretch it as much as possible. Um, so I really vibe with John as a character. 
And I also re- really like the song Johnny Can't Decide, uh, considering it's also very catchy and it makes sense within the narrative of the movie at this point, because as we mentioned, a lot of the songs they have are not necessarily within the musical structure, like Green Dress, for example, or even something like Boho Days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this one really fits, and it's really important that it is there because it introduces us to this kind of conflict and this kind of personality trait it has that comes up constantly over and over again within the musical so it's important that it gets its own moment to shine so it's clear in everybody's mind why it like what is going on and what's happening there Mm -hmm. and I like the vocals here I mentioned before I'm not a big fan of Vanessa Hudgens in this role and I'm glad she doesn't get more than backing in this case (laughs) because I don't know about you I liked her a lot in High School Musical as we discussed before High School Musical is great but I never saw her evolve outside of High School Musical Beastly is what I saw her (laughs) apart from High School Musical by the way because I used to be a very big fan of American and Ashley um, while I was young so and and American was there but I never saw her do anything else successfully that try to break the mold from the Disney stuff that she already had. And she has a very, very distinct voice. And that voice screams to me very Disney, rather than something that is more musical, though I know she does she has done musicals outside of high school musical and stuff like that, like actual proper musical. She was in Hairspray, I believe, and she was um in some versions of In the Heights, you can see uh, you can see her perform. But she just really, really screams high school musical to me. She doesn't work at all. I don't know if you had the same kind of problem. I can understand could. where mm-hmm. you're coming from, but I guess for me, it wasn't really that big of a deal because like, I didn't take the career of the actor or actress in this case itself into account when I'm viewing or when I'm watching the film. So it didn't really bother me whether she was successful in breaking her rule in High School Musical or not. I can't understand your argument about maybe her voice didn't fit in so well or whatever. But to me, I actually quite like her voice. I don't mind it. Um, Yeah, I agree that I sound very Disney-like, but maybe it's because I'm very the type of person who's like the first exposure I have to something is I would just accept it as it is mm-hmm. um but if there was like another version of the song that I listened to first and I listened to her version maybe I'll be like all right it's not really meeting my expectation but because it is the first exposure that I have to the song so I didn't really mind it that much I mm-hmm. hope that makes sense gotcha gotcha yeah I I can see where it's coming from and if I'm not mistaken you also discussed that you weren't that into high school musical so maybe your voice her voice wasn't as struck in your mind as high school musical as it was in mine but I found that other actors like Zac Efron who notably we saw in Hairspray and even more notably we saw as the poster in a very Potter musical he managed to successfully break the mold from high school musical in my mind but she just hasn't and I'm glad her role isn't bigger she just have has a little bit more musical features she doesn't have her own solo I believe so she just has a little bit more features and other songs but I just wanted to say that she didn't necessarily work for me well in a cast of other actors that I really really enjoyed so Mm -hmm. if there was a tiny little bit of sour note it was hers 
All right. Next one is Sunday, which is my favorite, and not only、okay. because of all the cameos here.、Uh, so <laughs> I already listed some of the cameos that happened, and before the cameos came to、um, live and television form for me, I listened to them in the recording, and I recognized Felipe Sue's voice here. I found the entire scene very relatable as someone who worked. In a food place during Canada Day, for example, during Uni,、um, just having all these customers and having to serve them all and being really understaffed and really overwhelmed, very relatable.、Um, but besides that, I really like the song visually and musically. I think it's. Really important to know that this is probably the closest thing to a traditional musical number compared to pretty much any other song in a musical that we get. And apparently, the song is inspired by Sunday in the Park with George, which is a Sondheim、uh, musical. And I haven't seen it and I haven't listened to it, so I can't really attest to that. But I think it's really, really cool that there is a reference to Son- to Sondheim and his musicals, considering how big of an impact he has on John as a person. Mm-hmm. So I really like that homage,、um, and considering I am a very big fan of classic musicals, the fact that this is my favorite number,、um, this and Boho Days together, I'd say、um, it's not a surprise because it's just beautiful to listen to. It has a lot of harmonization. It has a lot of good elements that I like seeing in songs. So for me, it really hit the mark. But what do you think?、Um. <laughs> You didn't like it. I didn't like it. Okay, explain yourself. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, well, I'm just not a huge fan of the song. I'll admit one thing though, which is the first few notes, and I think the beginning of the song sounds really, really interesting. And I laughed literally when he started singing about all、oh, these fools. They should have just eat at home, <laughs> and I thought it was so funny because he said it with such a gentle and calm face,、mm-hmm. and. I can feel like deep down he's at a breaking point. He was like, "Want to burn the all these people?" And I just thought that the interpretation and how he expressed those emotions was very comedic in a way. At least to me, it was funny. And I also work in the food industry before. I was a waitress for maybe a year at a Thai restaurant, and that was. Definitely an interesting experience. So I guess I can also relate to what he's feeling and experiencing to some level. Even though because I used to live in a you know very small town, so we're never this busy. I don't think, but I can relate to to this to some extent. But what really I guess drove me away from the song is the music itself. I feel like it's just a little bit too boring for me. I like the execution in the beginning, but I feel like as we move into the main phrase and the chorus, it just didn't really work for me. I don't know what it is. I just didn't enjoy it as much, and I don't really see the point of the song narratively as well. Like I get it that he is at a breaking point, and all this is just very exhausting to him, but. Then what kind of like I didn't really see this develop into something else, something bigger. So yeah, I guess all that just adds up to saying that I didn't really enjoy the song, but I didn't hate it.、Mm-hmm. I just don't really like it that much. 
I hope it justify it. <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, to me, it sounds like, oh, you just didn't vibe with the song. It wasn't your cup of tea. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's fine. Um, everybody has different tastes. I'm sure we both will have the same opinion about the next one, though, which is play game. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think either of us enjoy rap all that much. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very standard rap. I'll give you that. The beat is very normal, like ordinary, nothing too special, nothing too interesting. And mm-hmm. the, the song was short too, oh, which yeah. was a good thing yeah. <laughs> in this case. I was just like, oh, my note is, oh, what's going on here? What's the point of this? Yeah, what's I just like it this? being here. Um, those are exactly my notes for this. But I gotta say, it feels very 90s rap, if anything, because I I am not a big fan of rap at all, mainly because of the language. Um, I don't enjoy a lot of cursing in my in my uh, music, but um, this feels like something I would hear in the 90s from what I have heard of rap. And knowing that there are ways for rap to be well done in musicals, like... Hamilton, for example. Um, I wouldn't know, but you wouldn't know. I'll take your word for it. We will cover it one day, whenever it well, comes. But we have next. to, right? <laughs> we will, we will. There is no question, there is no doubt about it. But this song, it was a huge miss for both of us. And at least we mer- mercifully can say it was short. Therapy, what do you think of that one? Therapy is actually quite an interesting song to me both Mm -hmm. musically and lyrically and I get it that it is supposed to be ironic considering how the situation is them breaking up but the song itself musically it sounds rather comedic I guess my problem with the song is I didn't really know what the effects the producer wants the audience to have after you know, during the scene or after listening to the song. Because I don't really feel that emotional. I was actually quite emotional when they were breaking up. And I didn't really feel that afterwards when a song song started. And it didn't really give me any emotional connection to what's going on. And by the song itself, I was just kind of confused as to what sort of emotion I should be feeling and experiencing right now because I'm very confused by itself if you're just taking the song out of the context I thought it was actually very interesting it reminds me of Chicago to some extent but yeah but that's about it I'm I will say it is a very confusing song for me because emotionally I just don't know what to what to feel what am I supposed Mm -hmm. to feel because I feel like I was forced to be taken out of the emotional context about the breakup, but I don't know what sort of message behind or what sort of effects behind it that I'm supposed to feel. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So to me, it sounds like you dislike the fact that it's not very traditional musical in terms of beats and in terms of presentation, because I feel like it really goes in and out of the real life elements of the narrative and what's going on in John's head. And it's very atypical, I'd say, compared to a regular musical that has like a direct plot line going through it with songs at a specific 
points that accentuate what's happening in the plot. And in here, it's kind of like the plot is whatever is happening. And then you have the inside view of into John's head, which is the form of the songs. Is that right? Yeah, that okay. probably is right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I I think it was something that I had to <laughs> contend with as well when I first like watched it and um, try to make sense of what's happening because it's something that was like, oh, okay, this is definitely not what I'm used to. Um, so I can totally see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. In terms of the song itself, I think it's a cute concept and the comical elements elevate rather than drag down the number for me, uh, but I can see how it will be the other way around for sure. Uh, I personally really appreciate the performance itself because this is the type of song that lives or dies based on the performance. And it's one of the rare moments where Vanessa Hudgens did work for me in the role. And Andrew Garfield obviously did amazing as he always did and always does. Um, <laughs> I also really like the lot of elements sound complexier um, to perform, to sing, to write even, um, because they have some really fast singing with complicated lyrics. So I'm sure the thing itself is a tongue twister. And I literally trip on my own words with no reason. So having to sing this really quickly in a very complicated manner is something that I appreciated. Uh, Also the yodeling or yodeling-esque thing they had there was something that I really enjoyed. It gave me some music vibes. And I think it kind of also gave me the Chicago vibes with something like they both reach for the gun because it does feel like a puppet show almost going inside your head because they're so like a beat about it and so childish oriented almost considering Mm -hmm. it's something Mm -hmm. like therapy and in Chicago it's something like oh murder you know that little thing we call murder yeah so (laughs) I think that's definitely an unusual song it worked for me but I can see why it wouldn't for you what do you think about swimming sorry about therapy though the other thing that I found was very interesting is this is like a very classic guy thinking if you think about it it's like usually when a guy and a girl like having an argument and a girl will be like talking about emotions and feelings and whatnot and I'm guessing what is going through a guy's head would probably be something very similar to the lyrics here. Like, what is happening? Is it about something I said? Is this like about, but, and then it's just all tangled together. <laughs> so I'm guessing if guys would feel more relatable to the song, because is that how they feel? Did you about... consult your boyfriend on this? <laughs> I have not, actually. That is oh. actually such a great idea. I should probably have, but... Uh, Update us. <laughs> I will. I will. I would actually be very curious to see if this represents what guys usually think or feel when the girlfriend is having a fight with them (laughs) (laughs) I that's an interesting point and you have to update us that's the first (laughs) thing I will ask in the next episode so Claire what does your boyfriend (laughs) say about the song therapy (laughs) um but what do you say about the song swimming for swimming honestly it's not really a memorable song to me personally I wonder if this is actually what happened in real life. Is it actually that dramatic? Um, I had no idea if that level of details was revealed in any interview, but I'll be curious to know. But for the music itself, it's not memorable at all. Actually, I had to go back to YouTube to listen to the soundtrack because I had (laughs) no idea what happened. And I look at uh, the title And I go, okay, I remember the song was probably obviously in the swimming pool. And I remember there was a number there. 
but I just couldn't recall how it sounded like. So yeah, musically is not very strong for me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he wrote all the songs himself, so I'm sure swimming is something that he cared about a lot. And considering the song is kind of like a stream of consciousness, he's like, "Oh, here's the lady who comes to the pool, and she kind of looks like my girlfriend." Or here is how you do a stroke correctly when you swim, and this is what you need to concentrate on while swimming. So it sounds like very much his own stream of consciousness while he was doing things. Which is something that happens again and again with him. Like, oh, you know, he just tried to write a song about sugar once, and he tried to have a spontaneous song at the party with boho life or green green dress. So I think it's just another example of him just composing songs in his mind for every single thing he does.、Mm-hmm. Uh, come to your senses. Yeah. I would say if there was a, a D song for this musical, this probably is it. I don't know. Do you agree? A D song? Oh, the song. The song.、Um, <laughs> personally, it doesn't really resonate with me. So、yeah, it is a very you... old-fashioned love song. Yes,、yeah. I am going to let you say your piece. Is it your favorite? No. Did we get to your favorite? I would be shocked if any of the three left are. Oh no! <laughs> It's definitely not the last three. Actually, I think my favorite was gonna be、um, Johnny Candeside. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So this、What's... is definitely not my favorite. And、mm-hmm. in terms of the music, I would admit it is better than some other songs in the in the film or in the musical. But it's not the strongest to me either. I can see where the emotional climax effect that they were hoping to have, but. Maybe it's because it was written like twenty plus years ago. It feels quite old and traditional. Um. So to me, it's not very impressive musically.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say this is probably the reason why it didn't resonate with me either. It felt very two thousands ballad, specifically very High School Musical, Gabriella solo, where there was me and you. Um, but we'll put the High School Musical slander aside. I like that Susan is trying to reason with him by using his own language of songs, which you can see later he references in his song about Michael, and it feels like a lot. Last ditch effort from her to make it work,、um, and obviously it doesn't. But musically, just wasn't something that I really liked. Just because I heard so many songs like this while I was growing up, we were both growing up around like the two thousands too. So it's something that was kind of routine for us to hear. I think, which is why it didn't shatter any of our worlds.、Mm-hmm. Maybe when it first came out, it was really, really impressive to listen to,、um, because it was unique and it was new. But at this point, not really.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, real I agree. Yeah. <laughs>、um, Do you have anything to、life. say about it? Sorry, no, that's it. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, for real life, I like the idea of the song or where it was heading to. I think the execution can be a bit more interesting because. There's essentially just one line, and it's very short as well. I think、mm. the music and instrument used in the song is very dramatic. It's very emotional, but because there was only one line, I don't know why. I swear I'm not doing this on purpose, but it just felt like a car commercial to me when I was listening to it. Like it was this gigantic dramatic feeling that I was having, but it was so short that. I feel like 
the context, the situation, the emotion deserves a longer number. Like all those feelings and experiences deserve to be explored and developed. But that's just me. I agree. I think it's very nice what is there, but it's not a song. It just helps punctuate the moment and it expresses the emotions very well. I also enjoy the vocals and the performance, but it's really just not a song. It's one line repeated again and again. And he manages to do a lot with that one line, like the actor himself and also the Mm. moment in the narrative. But it just leaves me wanting so much more because I understand the emotion. I understand the urgency, but I want it to be expressed more fully if that makes sense yeah I 100% agree yeah Mm -hmm. I I can really see this piece has a lot of potential and I wish that I did more with it exactly all right now we move on to why um I think the piano is quite beautiful but to me I'm I swear I'm not really trying to say every song is trash like that's not what I'm trying to do but the music here sounded a little bit boring to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a solo number for the protagonist, I hope that it was a bit more emotional and memorable. And I feel like this is a pretty big moment for him too. So I just kind of wish that there's a little bit more to it. I, I think the decision of having him as a, sorry, having the song as a piano solo is actually quite nice but I hope the melody can be a bit more I re- okay for the lack of a better word <laughs> I really <laughs> hope the the melody was more memorable mm, like it was okay. a little bit too flat for me mm-hmm. I say I kind of like the song actually my only critique being it stretches out too long it's one of the longest song in the musical and I understand the rationale behind it being so long since his relationship with Michael is so important to John. In addition to all of his friends dying one by one from AIDS and now Michael is going in there as well and uh, has is HIV positive um, and Michael is his closest friend. So I understand the urgency that he feels and the absolute um, self sense of hopelessness of what he can do, but it is really a bit repetitive for the length that it has. If it was maybe a minute shorter, it would have worked a lot better for me. But the emotions that flow from this performance are really great. I appreciate the connection to Sondheim again within the song that um, contextually uses like who John is as a person because he talks about him and Michael auditioning for West Side Story, which obviously is a Sondheim musical. And it really, again, gives you that sense of understanding of who John is as a person. And I also like, like you mentioned, that it is so simple instrumentally. I'm pretty sure it's just the piano and his voice and that's it. And to me, it shows that it's from the heart. It shows that it's relatable. It shows that this is an important and a moment with a lot of gravitas in his life. And I buy the kind of emotions that all these elements together inject into the scene, for me at least. Okay. So I think it's nice. I do think it's a little bit forgettable. I remember it, but I do think it's a little bit forgettable because I didn't remember it after the first three listening or something. Mm-hmm. So I can see why it would be as it wouldn't be as groundbreaking to a lot of people. But it has good elements and good moments to it for 
from my perspective at least mm-hmm. and the very last song is louder than words it's the finale so the closing number and to me this feels pretty generic for an ending song it doesn't have the same grand feeling the opening had for me and i'm really not a big fan of how understated this is but it does remind me of rent with you're what you own but that's not the final song for rent so mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i mean his voice as a creator shined through because of all these understanding to rent and all the nods to everything else that's happening, but it's not a good finale in my opinion. And I was a little bit disappointed with how it, it ended from that perspective. But what do you think? I actually think it's a okay finale just because right before this, we learn about how he died tragically before rent um, had a success. Mm-hmm. And I think, the film was trying to end on a not so sad note and give you some sort of hope into cherishing the fact that he was able to really stay with what he's most passionate about. And the fact that he is able to keep on going after failures, after failure, well, maybe not failures, but like having to keep on trying until he really finally reached that stage. And obviously it's, very heartbroken to know that he never got to see that day coming maybe the producer the director and whoever produced this film was trying to give the audience that it's not really about how successful you become but the fact that you tried and for that matter I think the message of the song does the job for me and and I like how it didn't end with a sad note too because obviously for his family and friends and everybody who learn about his story is probably really such a shame that he didn't get to see what his work has become and how popular that it has become but the fact that he didn't get to see it doesn't mean that it was not valuable and I like how they're trying to send a message of like be passionate about what you do and trying to keep exploring and stay curious and be true to yourself and all that stuff so I feel like message wise is actually a good finale but I agree with you I feel like musically is not as strong as the opening number for sure and even though that it has this pretty nice harmonization towards the last one third of the song and I enjoy that but it's just energy wise is not the same and I guess knowing what happened it makes sense that it's not as hyped, but at the same time, it's just, it is not the same. It's not the same energy and it's probably going to not have as a strong lasting effect on the audience compared to, you know, what they felt after the first song. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's a fitting finale for the story and I didn't mind it. Okay, fair enough. Should we go into our final thoughts now? Sure. I actually quite enjoyed the film and I would say that was a surprise because usually I'm not very good with well I didn't really find those films too enjoyable from my past experiences but this one it was actually quite a nice one I don't think it's going to be my favorite <laughs> musical drama film movie but mm-hmm. uh, but it definitely it's not like absolutely horrible and I feel like for that matter it is already very successful Um, for the music I think most of them are okay they're not 
bad. And some of them actually are quite nice that I will go back to listen to. And some then are quite questionable, like play game. I really don't see a problem if they cut it completely. I don't think it's going to change anything. Um, so they can definitely go ahead and do that. And it wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the story, I also enjoy the fact that we get to learn about him a little bit more because I like Brent a lot and I learn about him as a person and as a writer a little bit, but mostly around the fact that he died before he could see Rent being very successful and nothing else aside from that pretty much. So I like how we are able to see what his struggle looked like and obviously touch upon some of the elements that would contribute to his work in Rent. And I also very much enjoy the Easter eggs about Rent in the film, like, like Pookie or like Speak, like the answering machine that we talk about and so on and so forth. So I feel like the fact that we get to see a lot of influence, it's probably the other way around, but like the influences <laughs> of Rant in this one, well, like the elements of Rant in this one, I think that was a very, very pleasant surprise for me. And I thoroughly enjoy that. So overall, I think I like the film. Um, mm -hmm. The music is, it's okay. And um, the acting is definitely really, really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, I have very similar thoughts to you. I think the casting is top notch, like whoever decided to cast Andrew Garfield as John definitely like the casting director deserves all the accolade possible I was very pleasantly surprised and impressed with Lin-Manuel Miranda as the director for this I was kind of happy he didn't have a big role he had a cameo himself that you got to see and um you got to see Rene Goldsbury, for example, who played in Rent, but she also played Eliza Schuyler um, and some of the other elements. So that was really nice. Uh, I really appreciate that they didn't whitewash him. Like they casted a Jewish actor to play a Jewish person, which is not something that happens necessarily all that often. So that was nice. Um, I enjoyed the casting for Susan and for Michael and for Sondheim. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, a little bit questionable, but she <laughs> did have her moments. I did appreciate her performance in therapy, for example. So that's not too, too bad. For the story itself, I really, really enjoyed the story. I found John incredibly relatable, despite not being a writer, not being a composer, not having any artistic talent of my own. Um, I found it very nice that they didn't focus on his death and the tragedy of not being able to see how successful Rent is and dying on the first before the first public performance. I really, really appreciate that they kind of fleshed him out as a person and mm -hmm. not rather as what happened to him. I think it'd give him a lot more respect in that sense. And the narration and the story itself I think it makes a lot of sense it flows very well there's a lot of little elements to endear um, John to whoever is watching there's a lot of references to other musical elements such as Rent for example like you mentioned and also a lot of Sondheim because he's so important the songs I really really enjoyed the songs up until Sunday and then after Sunday, it just kind of took a sharp nosedive to me. And even the ones that I relatively enjoyed, like therapy and like why, I still 
didn't enjoy as much as the first half before there or before Sunday. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of dissonance with how the nice songs are placed here because I feel like it's kind of like those drawings you see of the very first part of the horse being so fleshed out and being so so beautiful to look at and then the second part of the horse is just like a stick figure I don't know if you're familiar with that meme I'm guessing not no. <laughs> if, if you're not then this analogy made absolutely no sense but if you're familiar with the with this then this will make perfect sense and thank you for that um so it's a little bit of a shame because everything was so strong for me until that element. Another criticism I have about, I have about the music is a lot of the musical elements just feel like they're attacked on unnecessarily. So everything that needed to be explained was already explained visually and through dialogue. And then you still got the musical moment that wasn't necessary because it was already discussed and it was already clear what's happening. So I think for some of the elements, it would have worked much better if there was either no, no dialogue or no music there. Um, so that's something I would work on yeah I gotta say that's pretty much it for my final thoughts we don't have much of a quiz for this one so I'm I not don't gonna imagine send it we to do you. <laughs> yeah so I'm not gonna send it to you to introduce everything I'm just gonna say it myself and it's which tick tick boom character are you based on your zodiac sign because I wasn't sure how appropriate it would be okay okay doing, interesting doing it as a as an actual quiz so why wouldn't we start with you actually uh you want to introduce your own zodiac sign what it is uh, it's cancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Claire is a cancer and you got Carolyn. Um, okay. If you remember who Carolyn is. That's she... the boss in the diner, right? Yes, you got it. I didn't even realize who she is. I had to see the picture. So okay. <laughs> um, I guess maybe you paid better attention than I did. Carolyn is an intuitive being thanks to many hours spent interacting with others as a waitress. She knows what the right thing to say at any given time. As a cancer, she is also fiercely protective, particularly towards her friend, Freddie. When he's in the hospital, she visits him to let him know that everything is going to be okay. Do you resonate with the cancer properties? I am very curious to know whoever designed this uh, quiz-ish type of thing. Like, how did they make the association? But okay. Do you notice any stereotypes applied to you? If I don't know how much you pay attention to this. I pay attention to this for fun occasionally. Um, not that I believe in it or anything, but I'm always frustrated by my sign stereotype. I don't know if you notice any stereotypes applied to cancer. Usually what I read is like, we're very family focused mm. and we're very nice to people. But if you push us too hard, we will get really mad. And when we get really mad, there's no turning back. Oh. And I feel like most of it is actually quite true. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's much better stereotype than my sign, which is Taurus. I got Susan, by the way. A dancer. Susan is a very creative individual who has no problem showing off her sensual side. For much of the movie, she also serves as a dependable confident, confidant to Jonathan as he struggles through his writer's block. Like a Taurus, she values honesty, which leads her to leave Jonathan when it appears that his play will be the third person in her relationship. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my sign stereotype is usually they like to eat food and they like to sleep. I'm a very really? picky eater. Like I'm very picky and I don't sleep all that much. So I always resent the, st- the stereotype that Taurus has. 
Because you have the same birthday as my brother. From what I read, at least, oh. um, it's a lot of people say that, well, not targeting towards you. Just take it as I'm targeting towards my brother, because I think it's actually quite true about him. But usually they're very stubborn. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah that is and... a stereotype that is true <laughs> but I feel like that's from what I read at least from the like stuff mm-hmm. um online the thing they focus on the most is food and I was like oh I am so picky about what I eat yeah you are you are <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so I don't appreciate that at all but stubborn a hundred percent I'm definitely very stubborn I'm sure you notice I'm sure you noticed from your brother too so <laughs> Oh, my brother is even worse. Trust me. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> we'll have a contest on who's worse and we'll see oh. how much stubbornness we can create from this. Um, okay, so that's it from the quiz here. I guess you got to learn our zodiac sign. If you want to give us birthday presents on, in May and, uh, and July, feel free to do so. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I suppose that's it. So if you want to discuss our zodiac sign, of course, you want to give us a full tarot reading, feel free to do so. And if you want to discuss the actual musical we were talking about today, Tick Tick Boom, you can reach out to us. If you want to talk about any previous musical we covered, you can also reach out to us about that. And if you want to give us recommendations, especially for non-musical things, please, please, please do reach out to that. And you can reach out to us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. They can also contact us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com if you're not a social media person. I understand. I understand completely. So this is all our handles. Thank you so much for listening and have a good rest of the day. Bye. Bye.